Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. So today we're starting a new series, and the series is called Lydentity. And um, we, we kind of took the idea for the series from a guy named Henry Nowen. He has now passed away. Uh, he was a theologian and a scholar, and he had this idea that there are five lies of identity. And we're going to walk through those five lies together over the next few weeks. Now, this is what I want you to understand. Jesus said, I've come, life, uh, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest or have life abundant. And, and that's what God has invited us into. He doesn't want us just to live and die and go to heaven. He wants us to live an abundant life. An abundant life doesn't mean that we're gonna be wealthy and healthy and everything's gonna be perfect. An abundant life means we're gonna live out God's purposes and plans for us here on planet Earth. And, and we're going to, going to be able to experience heaven with him someday uh, in the future. Um, and, and that's what God's called us to. But what happens is there are lies that we believe that undermine God's purpose and plans for us. There are lies that we believe that prevent us from getting to where God wants us to be. And so the lie that we're going to walk through just pretty quickly today is the lie that I am what I have. I am what I have. Now, I want you to know something. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. It's okay to have nice things. It's okay to, to have a, a nice house or a nice car. Uh, it's okay to, to have clothes that you like. Uh, these are all fine things. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when those things become supreme in our life, when those things become what we love and what our affection is drawn toward. Uh, the problem is that, that, that those things can be where we derive our identity from at times. That we identify ourselves by what we drive or where we live or what we wear or what we possess. And at the end of the day, scripture is very clear. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28, it says this, whoever trusts in their riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. So it's about where do we put our trust? Are we putting our trust in our things and what we have and what we possess? Or are we putting our trust in God? Jesus had an interesting conversation in Luke chapter 12, and this is what he says in Luke chapter 12, verse 33. He says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will be also. <clears throat> now, I don't know about you, but when I think of treasure, I think of money, immediately. Um, and I don't know, do you guys, most of my cultural references revolve around cartoons, so please forgive me. Does anybody remember, if you're around my age, you, you might remember there was a show that was on in the afternoons, I would come home from school, and uh, it was called DuckTales. Does anybody remember DuckTales? Woo, that's right, that's how it went. Ricky's old like me. Uh, so it was, it was this story about these ducks, <clears throat> and there was this rich uncle they had, uh, Scrooge McDuck, and Scrooge McDuck was so wealthy that he had this giant vault, and this vault was full of gold coins. It was so, uh, so full that he would literally dive in and swim in the gold coins. Um, and that's what I think of as, as like, that's treasure, right? Um, but it's interesting, because when you look at this word, in 
in the original language, um, it's the word thesoros, and it has two meanings. One of the meanings is the things laid up in a treasury, collected treasures. So it can be the stuff that we treasure, but it's also the place in which goods and precious things are collected and laid up. So it's not just what we have, it's how we value that. Um, Maybe you at your house have a safe. Maybe it's a fireproof safe, uh, and you put things in there that are valuable. Maybe it's documents. Uh, maybe you put pictures. Uh, whatever it is, but it's things that you want to protect. You, want, you value highly, and because you value that, you want to protect it. So you put it in this safe. You put it in this, this uh, if I can say it like this, a treasure box. Um, and the reason we do that is because there are valuables we want to protect. We say this, this is important. So I'm going to guard this. I'm going to make sure if there's a break-in, if there's a fire, these documents, these pictures, whatever it is is protected. Now, you know how men, I know our audience, we're in western Pennsylvania, you know what men value because men will go buy a big safe and they'll put all the things they love in there and it's all their firearms, right? They're like, no, 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 we don't have room for pictures. My guns have to go in here, okay? But what do we do? We put things in the safe that's valuable, that we want to protect, that we want to guard. And, and what Jesus is saying here is, hey, the things that you value the highest, the things that you want to protect, the things that you want to guard, this is going to give an indication of the condition of your heart. It's going to reveal what's really going in your heart. So the question for you today is, what are you valuing? What are you trying to protect? What, what are the things in your life that you're guarding? And, and really the question is, have, have the things that you possess worked their way into your heart? Because again, there's nothing wrong with having a nice car or, or loving your car or, or your house or whatever it is. It's good. You should take pride in those things to some degree. But when those things become preeminent in our hearts, then there's a problem. When those things become the things that we're guarding and protecting and valuing and deriving our value from, there's a problem. See, we can value things in such a way that the things we have can shape our identity. And that's, that's an issue. Because the only thing that should shape our identity is our relationship with Christ. See, if I'm not careful, the things that I own will come to own me. That's why Jesus says, store up treasures in heaven. What he's saying is, value the eternal over the temporary. See, all this stuff in our life is Temporary. No matter how much you paid for your house or your car or or the watch or your clothes or any of the things you can possess, no matter what you have, no matter what you try to protect, at some point it's going to disappear. At some point it it won't be in your possession any longer. But there's something that, that Jesus says is not temporary and that's the things of heaven. So he says value the right things. Store up treasures in heaven. Don't find your identity in the things you possess on earth. Don't find your identity in these things because you can lose them. In fact, uh, I was reading this last week. Uh, There was a quote that I want to share with you by Eric Fromm, a prominent psychologist, and he says this, if I am what I have, and if what I have is lost, who then am I? Nobody but a defeated, deflated, pathetic testimony to a wrong way of living. See, if I put my value in stuff, I can lose that stuff easily. 
I don't know if you've been following any of the stories recently on Wall Street. I, I'm, I'm a financial nerd. I like some of these stories. And there's a story that's pretty prominent right now about GameStop and their, their stock. And if you haven't followed the story, it's fascinating to me. And I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but basically there are some very large hedge fund managers who bet on this company to fail. And so they shorted the stock of GameStop and there's all these day traders and retail traders that they are trying to stick it to these big traders. And so they've been buying the stock up and it's causing these guys to lose a whole bunch of money. See, they thought they knew. They thought they were smart. What could go wrong? And all of a sudden, they're literally losing hundreds of millions of dollars because they were trying to manipulate stocks, in my opinion. So they put their trust in something, and the value of that is disappearing overnight. So many people do these kind of things. They put their trust in a job. Well, I've got this job, and this job is my security. This job is, and before you know it, you lose your job. So if your security, if your hope, if your trust is placed in something we possess, that can be taken away from us. And what happens then? See, what you treasure determines your identity. And and if we treasure the things of this world, if we value the things of this world, if we derive our identity from the things of this world, then we cannot derive our identity from the things of God. These two things cannot coexist. They They are separate So if you are walking in one way, you cannot walk in the other. So I've told you before, good sermons have three points. This might be the greatest sermon ever preached in all humanity because I've got seven. And don't get nervous. I know what time it is. We're not going to be here all day. Uh, We're going to start in Romans chapter 5. We're going to work our way through Uh, the first 11 verses of Romans chapter five. So that's where we're gonna spend the rest of our time today. Paul's writing to the Roman church and he says this, therefore, in verse one, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So what we're gonna do through these next few verses is look at what we have in God, what we have in Christ Jesus. So it If if we derive our value based on the things we have in this world, it's wrong. But if we derive our value on what we have in Christ, then that's healthy for us. So what do we have in Christ? And what we see here in Romans 5.1 is that we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Now, this says peace. And everybody wants peace, right? Especially in the world we live in. It's so tumultuous, so many unknowns. People would kill to have real peace in their lives. But I want you to know something. Peace begins with having peace with God. You cannot have real peace in this world if you don't have peace with God. See, Scripture, in fact, in in just a few verses, down in verse 10, we're going to see that we are enemies with God before Christ. So before Christ came into our lives, we were enemies to God. And if you are enemies with someone, even if you are not in a physical war, there there is tension, there is there is our issues, there's drama, and I want you to know something. Before Christ, we were enemies to, to, to God. There was no peace. You think it's bad having conflict with your spouse. You think it's bad when you have drama with Susie in accounting, the person that works in the shop next to you, whatever it is, I'm telling you, you don't want to be at odds with God. That's an issue, that's a problem. And we were enemies to God, but because of what Jesus Christ has done, we have peace with God because of his work. True peace begins with peace with God. 
So how do we have peace in our lives? It begins by being reconciled to God through the, the saving work of Jesus Christ. That's the only way we can have real peace is by the work of Jesus Christ. So the first thing is we have peace. Second thing is we have grace. Romans 5.2 says this, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So what do we have? We have grace. Why? Because of undeserved privilege. Do you see this? Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege. That's where we stand. Now there's a lot made in our culture today about privilege, and we're not gonna wade into this topic, um, but there's privilege, there's white privilege, there's male privilege, there's all kinds of privilege, and you hear people say, you better check your privilege, and I want you to know something. Whether you agree with those statements, those ideas, in, in public or not, I'm not worried about that, but what you have to agree on is that as Christ followers, as people who have been saved, we have, have undeserved privilege. We've been given something we don't deserve. Jesus has paid the price for our sins, and we have access to heaven. Heaven is undeserved privilege. We don't deserve it. In fact, what we know is this, we deserve hell based on our actions, based on our own goodness, based on our own merits. We didn't earn heaven. There's nothing we can do to make God go, wow, wow, man, they are so good. I guess we'll let them in. We wasted Jesus' time. He shouldn't have even gone. These people are so good and moral. Like, that's not how this works. There's nothing we can do to attain merit to get into heaven. But what God has done in his grace is given it to us, even though we don't deserve it. We have access to opportunities. We have access to goodness, to things that we wouldn't normally have access to. It's undeserved privilege. This is grace. If you look at the original language, this is the, the, the definition of grace. We've gotten favor that we didn't deserve because of what Christ did for us. So we get grace. The third thing we get is the confidence of salvation because it says at the end of verse two that we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can confidently look forward to heaven because of what Jesus has done, because of the unmerited favor, the undeserved privilege that we stand in. We can confidently look forward to God's glory. I grew up in a tradition where I was always worried about my salvation. As a child, I used to think that you could, you know, it was easy to pick up, easy to go, like it could happen at any moment. If I had a bad thought about somebody, I probably lost my salvation. If, uh, if I, if I um, made a comment about somebody that I shouldn't have made, I probably lost my salvation. If I saw, saw something on television I shouldn't have watched, I probably lost my salvation. So like, I felt like in some ways God was schizophrenic like, he was always changing his mind about me. Oh, I love you so much. No, I hate you. Like, that's how I felt like God was. And I've come to realize as I've gotten older and understand grace a little better, that's not how that worked at all. That God is not schizophrenic. I don't lose my salvation like that. Um, I, I had moments when I was a kid where um, my mom was, she, she worked from home and so she was always home when I came home from school. And there'd be days where I would come home and my mom wasn't home. And my first response was that mom was raptured and I missed it. 
Jesus came back for my mom and I'm not going. Like, no, I'd have these moments and I would panically call somebody like, hello, okay, you didn't, if you're still here, then I'm fine, right? Like, why? Because I didn't have a confidence about my salvation. And I want you to know, you don't have to worry about your salvation. Let me help you with something else. If we've got a few folks that, Whenever I give an invitation at the end of our worship experience, that we finish up, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make a decision for Christ today. And we have some folks that they raise their hand almost every week. And I want you to know something. You can be confident in your salvation. You don't have to do that week after week after week after week. We're not counting you in the big numbers after all. <laughs> that 346 that we had, that doesn't count the same person every weekend for 52 weeks, by the way, so... You don't have to do that. You can be confident in your salvation. Now, there's moments where we go, man, I need, to, there's, I need to rededicate my heart to Christ. It's not that you've lost your salvation. It's maybe that you just go, I need, to, I need to redouble my efforts. I need to make sure that he's a priority. I get that. But, but we can be confident in our salvation. In Romans chapter eight, and we won't read this today, Romans chapter eight says, what can separate us from the love of God? Neither height nor depth, um, neither angels nor demons, neither worry or fear. None of these things can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing in our world that can separate us from God's love for us. So we can be confident of our salvation in Jesus Christ. Why can we be confident? Because it's not because we've earned it. It's because we have that undeserved favor, that undeserved privilege. That's why we can be confident. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, right? Who doesn't rejoice when they run into problems and trials? We celebrate that, don't we? We're like, woohoo, my kid's failing school. Praise the Lord. No. It's impossible, right? At least at first glance. But this is what he says. We rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Why? Because we know that they will help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength for, of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Fourth thing is this. You're gonna love this. In Christ we have redeemed suffering. Here's the thing, we're not exempted from suffering because we're Christians. In fact, what he says is we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. He's talking to believers and he says, you will have problems and trials. But we're gonna face our problems and trials differently. Number one, because we have Christ in us. Number two, because when we're suffering, we understand that God is going to redeem the suffering for his glory somehow. So it's not pointless it's not hopeless. There is, there is hope in our suffering. Does it help when we're going through the suffering? Not really. It's still painful. It still hurts. It's still difficult. But, but we have to understand, we don't suffer the same way other people suffer because our suffering is going to be redeemed by God somehow, some way. It's going to happen. Just like suffering is going to happen, redemption is going to happen as well. He goes on to say in verse 5, at the end of verse 5, it says, For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Um, fifth thing is this, Holy Spirit. God has given us the Holy Spirit in Christ. 
Some of you right now are like, no, I don't know about that. Holy Spirit, that, the Holy Spirit's kind of weird. Let me help you with this. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. When I, was, when I was a youth pastor, I used to think that homeschoolers were weird. And if you're homeschooled, give me a second to explain. What I realized is homeschoolers aren't weird. Weird parents create weird homeschooled kids. Normal parents create normal homeschooled kids. It has nothing to do with homeschooling. It has everything to do with parents. So some of you think the Holy Spirit's weird. I want you to know something. Holy Spirit, he is not weird. People are weird. People do weird things. The church that I grew up in, um, like Sunday night is when we would have like a Holy Spirit service or whatever we would call it. And you know, just kind of let your hair down a little bit. And I would not invite my friends to come to church with me on Sunday night. Because we had this one lady in the church that she would get happy on a Sunday night. And if the spirit hit her just right, she'd start doing laps in the auditorium. And when she would, she would, she would sound like a, f- a fire engine. Like she would, and she's doing laps. And I'm like, oh, sweet baby Jesus, help me. And I have to explain, that's not normal. We don't see this in the book of Acts anywhere, okay? That's just her doing that, right? Like, I don't want the Holy Spirit because I don't want to do laps in church. I got a bum knee, right? Like, no, that's not how this works. What we see in Scripture is that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So what it means is the Holy Spirit's not going to make you do anything that you're not willing to do. So I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. And what we see here is the Holy Spirit is for our benefit, It actually says, we know how dearly God loves us. Evidence of God's love is that he gives us the Holy Spirit. But yet some of us go, now pass. I don't want the evidence of God's love for me. I'm good. Jesus said, it's better for me to go away because if I go away, then I can send the Holy Spirit for you. And you need the Holy Spirit. You need the comforter in your life. So so Jesus himself said, I should leave so the Holy Spirit can come because you need that guy in your life. But yet so many of us as Christians go, pass, I'm good. I don't need that in my life. I wanna help you. The Holy Spirit is here to comfort you, to walk you through life, to, to bring conviction into your heart, but he's also here to empower you to live the life that God wants you to live, to live that abundant life. Verse six, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I love how Paul says, us sinners. Paul doesn't say, you sinners. He he doesn't know he's writing the Bible right now, but he's writing the Bible. And if anyone was qualified to say, you sinners, it was Paul, but he doesn't. He says, us sinners, because he understood who he was before Christ. Verse seven, now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. What do we see here? We have mercy. We have mercy. We we were enemies to the cross. We deserved hell, but God was merciful. See, the difference between mercy and grace is mercy, mercy means that we don't get what we deserve, hell. Grace says you're gonna get something you don't deserve, 
heaven. This is the picture of mercy and grace. This is what God has done for us. We have mercy. We don't get what we deserve. Thank God we don't get what we deserve because of his mercy. Verse 11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So what's the seventh thing? Relationship with God. Uh, I've known a few famous people, and I say famous loosely. I've, I've known a few famous people in my life. Um, when I worked for a minor league baseball team for about a year, um, our manager played in the major leagues, and some of the guys that were involved in our league had played in the majors, and I got to spend some time with those guys. Um, I've been around, I've been in green rooms with people that would be considered famous. Um, and maybe you have too. Maybe you've taken selfies with them, or maybe you've gotten an autograph, um, whatever it might be, which is, which is great. But it's one thing to have an experience with somebody, and it's another thing to be friends with them. See, it's one thing to say, yeah, I've met a famous person. It's another thing to say, yeah, I've got their number. I can call them whenever I want. Those are two different things. See, a lot of people have had an experience with God, but what God's intent was, his heart is, that, that we won't just have an experience with him. Our heart, his heart is that we know him, that we're friends with him, that, that we have his number in our cell, that we can call him up at any time. He's the friend that's not gonna be like, why are you calling me at one in the morning? He's, he wants to be the friend who you can walk into his house and get into his fridge without asking permission. That's the kind of friend God wants to be. So many of us are, are happy just being an acquaintance with him. We had an experience with him. I got a selfie with him. I got his autograph. See, I've got proof. I, I've, I've met him. That's not what God wants. God wants intimacy. He wants relationship. And we have that through Christ Jesus. That's what he's inviting you into. The problem is, all the things we just talked about, we try to find in the stuff of our lives so many times. I'm gonna find peace in this stuff. If I just get some more stuff, if I just get that car, if I just get that house, if I can just make 10,000 more dollars a year, then my life will be peace. All my problems will be gone. No, it won't. The answer is not more stuff. The answer is more of God. We can't find our identity in the things we own and in God. It's one or the other. We have a choice to make. And if you realize today that maybe you've been valuing the wrong things, you've been protecting the wrong things, you find your identity in the wrong things, then today's your day. I want you to conquer that lie with the identity you have in Christ Jesus, that you have unmerited privilege in Christ Jesus, that you have mercy and grace and peace with God in Christ Jesus, that you're friends with God through Christ Jesus. That's who you are. It's not the stuff you have. It's not the car in your garage. It's not the house you live in. It's not what's on your wrist or in your bank account. None of those things matter in eternity. What matters in eternity is you have God's number in your cell. I want to give you an opportunity to, to 
become friends with God through Christ Jesus. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. God, thank you for loving us so much. Lord, I thank you that you don't want to just save us from hell. God, you want to be friends with us. You want to know us intimately. God, I repent for the times that I've taken that for granted. That that I thought it was enough just to have an experience with you. And I took for granted that the God of the universe wanted to know me and have a relationship with me. So God, forgive me of that. God, I'm sorry for the times that I've let stuff define who I am instead of letting you define who I am. So God, I repent. I turn away from that. Forgive me. God, I pray for the people in this room right now who maybe have had those same struggles. I pray that you would encourage them, speak life into them, bless them right now, draw them to you. Lord, I pray specifically for those that recognize today that they're really not in relationship with you. They're not really friends with you. They maybe have had an experience, but today is the day that they're gonna surrender it all. They're gonna find their identity in you and you alone. So God, speak life in and through us today. Draw us by your Holy Spirit. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you'd say to me, Mel, you know what, I'm not, I recognize today I'm not really serving God. I'm not really in relationship with him. I couldn't say I'm friends with God, but I want to be. I know I don't deserve it. I know I'm not good enough for it, but but I want to be friends with God today because of what Jesus did. So I want to make that decision. And maybe in the past you've prayed a prayer, but you recognize now it was just an encounter. It wasn't a relationship. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer like that before, but but you say, today's my day. I want to make God a friend. Would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it right back down. If you'd say, Mel, pray for me. I want to be friends with God today. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Is there any? You'd say, Mel, pray for me. Today's my day. Okay. Maybe you're here today and you'd say to me, Mel, you know what? Um, I believe I'm a Christian. I believe I'm going to heaven, but the reality is that maybe I've valued some of the wrong things in my life. Maybe I've valued the things of this world a little too much, and I recognize that, and I need, I need to value the things that are eternal instead of the things that are temporary a little more, and I need the Holy Spirit to help me with that. Would, would you be bold enough to slip your hand up and let me pray for you today? If that's you, say pray for me. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, a bunch of hands. Thank you. I want you to pray with me. Lord, thanks so much <clears throat> that you give us a chance. <coughs> you give us a chance to, <clears throat> to repent, to fix things, to make things right. And I pray today you would do that in our hearts. You would help us recognize some things that need to change and then God submit everything fully to you and let you begin to do the work in us that you need to do. So God, I pray that we would not be satisfied if there's things we need to do, if there's things we need to change, if, if, if God, maybe we need to live more generously with the things we have. Maybe there's some things we need to give away. There's some things we need to sell. There's some things we need just to set aside in order to find our real value in you. Help us to do that. So Lord, I pray 
that uh, you would challenge us just like you challenged the rich young ruler and told him to go sell all his possessions. God, whatever you want us to do, help us to be obedient to do it. Help us to be faithful to do it. So God, speak into us and help us find our identity in you and you alone instead of the stuff we have. So Lord, thank you for loving us in spite of us. We're grateful in Jesus' name. Today, uh, before we leave, I'm going to invite our prayer team to join us here at the front of this room. And if you need prayer for any reason at all, no matter what the need may be, I'm going to pray a final prayer. They're going to be coming up during that. And then as we're dismissed, I would love for you to come forward and find one of our prayer team members to agree with you in prayer. And, and maybe you're here, you know, I mentioned the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here and you've never been baptized in the Spirit before. And maybe you're a little nervous, you're not sure. I want to encourage you. Our team is here to pray with you. And if you would like them to pray with you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not weird. It's not freaky. I promise you. They want to help you pray for this gift of God in your life. So if that's something you're interested in, come find one of our prayer team. Let them agree with you today before you go. But if you just need healing in your body, you want to stand in for somebody in your family that that needs a healing or a miracle, please feel free to do so. That's why they're here. Uh, I do want to encourage you as well. Um, If you're interested in our income and expense sheets. Uh, They're going to be available in our info center for the next few weeks. You can pick that up today if you'd like. Uh, But we just want to help you. We want to answer questions for you. So guys, thank you for being here today. Let me pray for you as our prayer team and staff come. Lord, thank you for being so good to us. I just pray your, your blessing on us as we leave here today. God, I pray that you would help us find our identity in you and you alone. God, I pray that the things in our lives would not be obstacles to relationship with you. God, I pray that we would value them in the right way and that we would value you in the right way as well. So God, have your way with us as we leave here today. Help, help us leave here knowing who we are in you, knowing that we are friends of God, knowing that we have peace uh, with God, knowing that we have mercy and grace. So Lord, help us walk confidently as your sons and daughters today. Pray your blessing on us so that we can be a blessing to the people we come into contact with. And it's the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Guys, I love you more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a great week.